1: For those for which the music is a lifetime, not a pastime,
0: this is Dice Agenda. Agenda, 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 agenda.
2: This is Keith Tucker, aka djk one of AUX88. You're listening to Base Agenda.
1: How you doing? Andy with you for two hours. Welcome to Base Agenda 76. This week, a legend in his own time, founding member of orcs 88, the man behind uh, Optic Nerve, Alien FM, and a number of other fantastic electro and techno projects. It is, of course, the mighty Keith Tucker dominating the show this week. We've got a great, great interview from him. He's chosen some great tracks for us to hear, and he's also done a superb mix for us to hear in part two as well. A real privilege to speak to, uh, to Keith. It's a fairly long interview, Uh, in fact I've had to cut quite a lot out, uh, but uh, I'm going to play you uh, what I can in the time I've got, so enjoy it, some great stories coming up. second now we're going to slip into optic nerve track called the homage and while that's playing Keith's going to tell us a bit about how we got into music
2: Relatives, um, and who live in Queens, New York So I spent some time in Queens in like the late 70s When the hip hop movement was starting And the, um, the last parts of disco So I got a chance to see, you know um, I mean I was too young to go to clubs then But I got a chance to see, you know um, Parties in the park and stuff like that and, and just the radio scene there And get to hear disco and all that type of stuff So, I mean but, and then I got into I was a DJ so that was that's what got me into the DJ culture, seeing um uh, the whole scratching and cutting and all that different type of stuff that got me into it. I mean just seeing what you could do if you if you was a good DJ and you had the records and you played the right thing, what you could do with a crowd. You know I really liked that at a young age. Yeah I was in the sixth grade. Yep. Um just going around man, me and some other uh, friends in the neighborhood man we moseyed up some turntables and stuff and start trying to, uh, you know, DJ and start buying some uh, equipment with a, a group of other guys and yeah. I, I became the one that was a little bit more serious at it and ended up buying equipment and was doing like local parties I mean, <laughs> local yeah. parties after hour parties, places I probably shouldn't have been going to do parties but all I cared <laughs> about was playing the music, so it was uh, yeah. and then my parents used to buy um, a lot of records too, so they kept up yeah. with all the latest, you know, the 12 inches when uh 12 inches was first coming out the long playing versions they used to keep up with everything we used to go get the list from the um record stores and they would buy like the top 40 when i first started djing so it was about the 80s so it was like uh, i was playing like euro stuff um still a little disco um of course some hip-hop um the early remnants of uh well i guess you would call electro it wasn't called electro back then but um I was playing stuff that I considered uh, just dance music. Anything that was fast, around 125, I was playing it. In middle school and elementary school, I actually uh, learned classical music. I actually learned percussion in classical band and um, also violin. I mean, you know, I didn't take it that serious. It was fun, but I didn't take it that serious. I was actually in a marching band in uh, middle school as well. But um, I think after I started uh, DJing and um, saw, like, um, a friend of mine had a drum machine, and so we thought it would be cool to bring it to DJ gigs and uh, have the drum machine playing to scratch over. We, like, for a good example, was like songs like Reckless. We would recreate the beats to Reckless then take it into the breaks from the drum machine and then scratch over it. That kind of sparked it by just getting drum machines and then wanting to do uh, uh, like effects and stuff in the um, in the DJ sets with like a weird voice and stuff. I always used to have uh, someone on the microphone or something and then they would be hyping up the crowd and stuff like that, so. I never thought of myself as a keyboard player at first. The music thing was just kind of uh, fluky because uh, until I got with um, Tommy really Tommy Hamilton Finally got one After seeing him play Actually CZ 101 Casio Casio Tom had like uh, The CZ 1000 He had two other CZ uh, 101's And that's what We kind of started with You know And matter of fact We we worked them things To no end And I bought one And um And, and rest was history We did everything With those As far as uh, Making a kick drum Um just synth sounds I mean it was just that was a really good instrument for us just to to learn
1: how to create sounds on the sound was awesome so in a second Keith's going to talk to us about the first track he's chosen for us El Salvador by Cybertron
2: I'd already heard the album, a lot of the tracks being played by Electrifying Mojo, who was the top DJ in Detroit. I thought it was the most funkiest track off of there because it was just the mood. I just got it. It was just, it was, it was not too fast, but it was just the, 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 the kick, the snare, and the, dun, 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 dun. It, it, it was, it was more Euro. It was Euro. I don't know what it is about that track. The El Salvador, I think what really got me was the vocoder when we first started making music, we didn't use vocals. We just was doing instrumentals. And I kept yeah. thinking back to El Salvador. And I was like, I thought that was so sweet how to shoot. It was like the vocoder was more like a stream. That was the word, melodic. And I think that song really gave me my ideals of what I wanted to do. And I think everything we've ever done since then has always been melodic. You know, I've always gotten into the the top synth lines and the uh, arps and stuff and strings, you know. But that song, to me, I would never ever get tired of hearing El Salvador. and tom actually were um you know we used to do um, juan's first model 500 shows we were the you know, people who programmed his shows you know in 1995 he asked us um we did we did like one in at one of the festivals now he has mike banks doing stuff with him but we were the guys who programmed all his stuff for his live show juan never talks about that but that's okay for us that was like a stepping stone. In, you know and we still got all the stuff we can and we bang those songs out every once in a while in our shows we always do um alleys of your mind or one of those tracks in our live show Uh, what what did it for me for Tranship Express? It wasn't so much the beats for me; it was the string. See, I started realizing it was the mo- you know like the mo- everything being melodic. Those oh, yeah. strings just creates the mood, and it's like I realized, wow, that's probably why I like classical music. You know what I mean? I really like the the drama, the mood it could create. When you hit the right chords, you know, it's just that's what got me. That dun dun. dun, dun. Yeah, it was just creepy, you know. And Detroit yeah. is dark like that, so it's it's wow. And then I'm a big funkadelic fan, anyway. So you know, a lot of our string lines that we did on the early um, AUX eighty eight is kind of like us doing what you know Bernie World used to do in the background on the strings. trash Europe Express by far is like I said, uh, that's probably on a lot of people's list. But for me, it wasn't so much the beats; it was always the. Um, vocals the way they said it that's why we we learned that when we used to listen to tracks like transcript express it's um a lot of people always say oh man i i really don't like to use my vocal because it just doesn't sound right well the reason why our vocals you know us right off the bat because we use our real voices that's why craft work is so distinctive that's ralph and carl bartos that's their voices Mixed in with that vocoder. It's not the vocoder just playing, you know, the whole 100%. We adopted that when we heard that track, like, okay, that's what makes us stand out. started playing live shows even before, we way before we got signed to a label. We started doing live shows somewhere around 86. Around 85, 86 was when we um, started doing live shows under the name uh, RX-7. Tony Horton was in the group, um, me and Tommy Hamilton and another guy named Marcus Greer. He doesn't do music, but um, it was Tommy Hamilton, uh, Anthony Horton, me and uh, Marcus Greer. And we also yeah. had a, a female, uh, her name was Lisa Hamilton. No relation to Tommy, but it, we had a female girl in the group as well. And she kind of rapped over the electronic beats. Tommy was more of the miami bass guy and Egyptian lover. I was yeah. always dead like um, Cybertron and Kraftwerk. I'm more of the really electronic type guy, but... um. Yeah. Once the Detroit techno thing took off, I got really into the strings, and that's where I think the classical element came in. I got more into the Derek May, so I always tried to incorporate, you know, sort of his stringy type sound into what we do. And um, I like both, so it was cool that the direct beat allowed us to we did so much music they was just like hey man you you can do whatever you want to do you can do you want you like the optic nerve stuff put that out you know we'll do k1 aux 88 Micronauts, and it was just a great thing we're going to be taking control of that pretty soon where we'll be putting the stuff back out ourselves that was one reason why we stopped doing electro we we just getting things a little bit more uh, organized and proper where everything is everyone gets proper credit for what they did cuz AUX was really signed as uh, me and Tommy Hamilton and, you know, I quit in 95, but AUX88 originally was, the name was created by Anthony Horton. Tony created the name AUX88 in 1988. Because we used to have so many disagreements and stuff, Tony would leave the group and he was with Scan7, BJ would leave the group, he's doing some stuff with Eddie Folks, and I left to pursue my own, you know, my own label and everything. and. It never yeah. was a time where it was really four people. Um, Anthony Horton and BJ were supposed to be the backing band members whenever, whenever we were uh, gonna go out and um, play live. AUX88 really originally was Anthony Horton, uh, Tommy Hamilton, and Keith Tucker, but the contract yeah. was signed with me and Tom because we were the only ones that were still standing after all the little disagreements we had. But we've been back together. I just saw those guys, as a matter of fact, this past Saturday. We meet every Saturday.
3: The future of the electoral movement is upon us.
4: You are witnessing one of Detroit's electoral elite.
2: album that was our last electro electro album and we really put a lot into that and it was so much fun because we used everything I mean so much gear everything is stacked you know and like we used to do stuff and um it was just fun And and the lyrics was just flowing I mean every day we was just creating something Tom will do some stuff and send it over. A lot of times people think that me and Tom, we don't really work in the same studio. He, he works on his, in his studio and mine, and he send me parts and I send him parts. It's better that way because we we still have little tricks that we don't show each other of things that we do. You know, so it's kind of like little friendly competition. He'll send me a vocal, and then I'll be like, OK, check this out and then I'll send it with the vocoder, and then i send my regular voice. Oh man, that's awesome, well let me add this, and it's, it's just a fun thing, it's, it's really cool. Space Satellites is, uh, we did like uh, some different mixes of it, and we played it at every show now, it's really, that was really, uh, and then we got that featured on the electro compilation. That was one goal we wanted to accomplish too. Finally getting a chance to be on the electro compilation.
1: Satellites by AUX-88, keep telling you a bit about it there. The uh, compilation he was referring to was uh, New Electro 2, I believe, from uh, Street Sounds. Before that, we heard Keith Tucker with Nemesis. And right now, we're sitting on top of AUX Mind, classic AUX-88 track. And after this, we're going to slip into AUX-88 with We Are The Future, Graham Cubas remix. And Keith's going to be talking to us about the decision to move away from Electro for a while.
2: for a while because we just felt like um it was time to move on and do some other things which i had already yeah. been doing so we've been pushing more of the aux 88 featuring we have we work with a lot of singers we always like doing vocals i mean we haven't all but a banding electro we're gonna get back to it we have tons of m- music that we never released that was good but we just wanted to not be pigeonholed it was getting to a point where we were only playing certain gigs you know people only wanted us to come and play you know, yeah. smaller events, and, and and it's not that we don't like playing smaller events, but the way our show is set up now, it's on a big level with visuals, and sometimes we take our dancers again, and you know, it's yeah. really a uh, um, a really big show. and We really like doing that. We want to bring people the show that we always envisioned when we first started. I mean, I was doing electro when I was in my senior year in high school. I was making, I had bought a SimSonic drum machines, I had different drum machines and stuff. We've been doing it for so long and it was like, I love Electro, I haven't, I won't say I don't love it, me and Time, all of us, but it was just time to move on. I was already, I already had my projects, Optic Nerve, which was all techno, Alien FM, you know, all types of stuff. And I tried to do that just so I wouldn't get pigeonholed. A lot of our fans really are upset about us not doing Electro anymore, but you know, we haven't abandoned, we're gonna come back. But we're, we, we have some some plans for 2015 that we're, uh gonna do some stuff you know that that's gonna only be available on our website we're really getting some stuff organized with our business so you know uh, instead of them having to say they can't find it well, if you really love us and you really want it you can find it on our site and it'll be specific stuff made where people can
1: get it vinyl as well Now, if you want to keep an eye on what keeps up to what Tommy Hamilton's up to Black Tony's up to what they're doing together and uh, past releases and future releases and all the news that you need on AUX88 and associated projects, then go and check out uh, www.aux88.com. You can find it all on there. Great website. Space satellites transmit to the planet. Frequencies far away.
3: Channel safe for play. Your sound waves, for the music to display, signals from beyond this world, electrodes here to stay.
1: Alien Radio, coming up any second now, we're going to get into one of the tracks, uh, another track that Keith's chosen that he's particularly proud of producing himself, a track called Premonition by Optic Nerve, going back to 1993 with this one.
2: early that was one of my first that was one of that probably was about maybe like one of my first 10 Optic Nerve releases I ever did that was that was if you listen it's it's, it's me I like Derek May's Transmat stuff but I also like Juan's techno stuff so it's kind of yeah. like me just incorporating the things that I like and then the way that I play and that's how I created Optic Nerve Optic Nerve was supposed to be that's why I created the name Optic Nerve for vision. It's not about anything but just, you know, releasing your mind and seeing with your mind, that's that's what I thought. And I always made it, it's danceable, but it's also stuff that you can just sit back and relax to. And I'm not even, like I said, I was not even i I'm not really a keyboard player. But, I mean, over the years I've just learned how to play what it is I wanted to play, and now I know how to, you know, hit a lot of chords and stuff, just taught myself how to play. between all of us we've never owned an 808 drum machine people always say oh I can't believe that no we didn't we just stacked sounds from different drum yeah. machines but we never had an 808 one machine that I've always sweared by everybody knows my, my secret weapon was the Juno 106 the Roland yeah. Juno 106 which I don't even own anymore <laughs> so when people hear my music and they think I'm still using the Juno thank you because I'm good at editing I, I'm good at making up sounds uh, matter yeah. of fact um T. Linder from the Techno Militia owns that, owns my Juno 106. He bought it, uh, has an autograph on it. Great machine, it's fat and very simple to uh, figure out. If you want to be a person to learn how to use a synth, that was a really good board to use that was very um, dependable. Great for live shows, you know, it was very sturdy. Um, Great sound. Recently, um, within the last, i say, eight years, me and Tom finally got some endorsements, man, with Moog and Propeller head and sugar bites and native instruments and you know, uh, Dave Smith, you know, lots of stuff So that's giving an example of what we do use, you know, some old vintage stuff I've always used another keyboard I swear by was my Roland SH-101 You know um, in between Tom's studio, he has totally different gear than I have, you know I have more analog stuff. Tom has a lot a lot more um, uh, instruments that are like uh, maybe for pop music and stuff times into a lot different more styles than I am so but we have a lot a lot of hardware and a lot of um, software but recently in the last couple of years less software because a lot of them sound alike. We got our yeah. real favorites that we use for mastering, you know maybe some strings additional va- bass lines, arts, that's about it there's really yeah. not much out there that's really blowing our minds matter of fact we're starting to by a lot of the uh, little small synths. Little, little small sense, man, because I still like twiddling the knobs. You know, nothing like sitting at the keyboard twiddling the knobs. Was one of the first releases I did that um, I remember that was a track that was on a mini disc that we sent to direct beat and um, when we sent when we had to turn in when we had to turn in new music for um 430 West and direct beat we used to send them like a mini disc with like 25 30 songs on it so that was one of them and I remember the fact it was like you guys are geniuses and it was just like it was a it was a revolving door with the studio all four of us had this big studio Uh, where we had like um, three offices for each person. I mean, well, it was actually four of us. And we had like a TV room and everything. We was able to just do music and be comfortable and had a place to watch TV and everything. But um, the the track came about because we were all able to just do what we wanted to do. Like if I was in the studio, I used all the gear, you know, to create what I like. Then maybe two hours later, I leave. Tom come in and work on what he wanted to work on you know, and sometimes if you left the machines on, somebody just make a remix of what was already there. I remember I made that track at about four in the morning. It was really dark. Just relaxing, man, just hitting the chords, because most of that stuff like that, I always create, create the strings first. You would think I'm looking for a beat, but I just make cymbals, and then I make the uh, the strings. That's That was kind of my thing. All my very first Optic Nerve stuff, that's what I used to do. I would always make a mix that was regular, then I always made one that just built up and I was uh, always called that those mo- movie mixes is what I call them that was just concept driven and it's it's kind of sad but back you used to be able to play those out you know at parties but now everybody wants to hear everything you know super pump and fast but and um optic nerve um I haven't done too many live optic nerve shows I mean because it's, it's the way I really would want to do it is it, it I just always felt like um, that's a lot of work to do just for myself I'm so used to this, the group situation
1: now time for a track that Keith's chosen that's blown him away lately this is a gorgeous piece of work this one it's Juan Atkins with Moritz von Oswald with Electric Garden and after this track we're going to slip into uh, some other stuff from uh, other artists some new and forthcoming uh, electro and Techno that's around including a nice morphology remix by The Hacker
2: I like how he took the genre and they just slowed it down because everything was going so fast. You know what I mean? I like the new stuff that they created and the jazz version because it's something that you can play with older and more mature now. You can go to a club, you know, this that might be stuff for people when you go to a club that have a tie on. You know what I mean? The people yeah. who dressed up who got, you know, uh who are a little bit older and more mature. You know, it, it was time for that. You know what I mean? Maybe people might say it's a little too slow, but no, that's that's something that you play in a, a more upscale club and people will really be digging it. Yeah, but yeah. I I really like that about it. And that they were bold enough to do that instead of just make, you know, the normal four four or something electro that's super fast. It's it's just something you can listen to. really cool when we first came up with the first generation with like Derek Kevin and Juan and Carl Craig and you are and Mike Banks and Jeff Mills when you made music and you went down to say KMS Transmed or or, or, um, Metroplex you had to have confidence you don't just bring anything down there and I think that's what helped us it was like man you wouldn't even think to take nothing down there and get embarrassed like that you know it was like you had to take them something where they be like hey man what did you make that sound with you know that was kind of like a, that was just the way you had to really work and I think that's that's what's kind of missing from Detroit but it still happens to the like the older older generation we still think that way when we play something we want you to say damn that bass line Damn, that kick drum. It's like, yeah, cause we work hard to try to create something that people be like, wow, that's that's cool. I think that's that's what I got out of it. And when me and Tom were talking about that the other day, it's just uh, you know, it's like a confidence thing. You know, you can't come weak. I just hate that now we hear so much music where you can just tell it's thrown together. Techno, hip hop, whatever. People just throwing it together. We still, you know, people hear our sound, like, man, you guys got this unmistakable sound, you do vocals and everything. We spend time doing it. We, Matter of fact, now we, we take even more time to work on this track because now we're into the whole mastering and everything, so... It's like, even if somebody went and bought Ableton, Fruity Loops or something like that, you know, you can't you can't you can't really dog out those programs or anything because there's some guys who can come up with some awesome stuff, you know? Yeah. It's just it's just they're they're good at it. Then there's some who just take it and just because they're not honest with themselves, just because you make music don't mean it's good. You have to be honest with yourself and be like, okay, if I played this record, can I compare this to what he's doing? You know what I mean? When we used to make music, we would try to compare it. Like we listen to Cybertron's. Like, can we put this up against Cybertron? But also say that we got our own style. I'm talking about like when you put a. Our thing was always: as soon as you put that record on, when you're dealing with electro, as soon as you put it on, you should be ready to dance. As soon as you hear like one bar, you know that was our that was our little trick. But now. The computer age, man, everybody can do everything. You can make your own videos, you can do everything. So why would they say, why would anybody think they not do good at it? It might be, it's it's probably about 80% of bad electronic music out there, but it's always going to still be some good stuff. You know what I mean? Always going to be some good, and that's what's cool about the whole underground or whatever. You got to look for it, and that's the way it should be.
0: What
1: of Acid is Phil Klein, aka Bass Junkie of course, with uh, DMX, a track called Room 13. This is Matt Whitehead's remix. Any second now we're going to slip into Dark Star by Morphology, remixed by The Hacker. This is from the uh, next episode in the World Electronics series, coming out in the next few weeks on Cultivated Electronics. Four remixes on there, remixes of some of the highlights from that series. slip into another track chosen by Keith that's blown him away lately JT Kirk with Breach and following that another track that uh, Phil Klein's had a hand in actually uh, the uh, Loud Minority EP track from it called Drive
2: I like different things for different reasons. To me, that's a track you put on and it's like I could play that anywhere. Even for an electro yeah. crowd. You know what I mean? Because yeah. my my DJ says consist of that. I, I play, you know, 4-4 four, four in Electro. I like to mm-hmm. go back and forth. You know, yeah, sort of yeah. like Dave Clark does, you know. And that track yeah. just just floored me, man. And when I found out about it, I, I hit up Kirk DiGiorgio because I know it's his label. And he sent it to me like five minutes later. It's, it's, just, it's just certain tracks like that when I hear it, that's, that's the type of track that I'm gonna have in every one of my uh, DJ sets. It's just, it just has this, just has a sound. It might not be a song that people will remember, but when you play it in a DJ set, it's like, oh that's hot. What's that, what's that track that's coming in? I like the beat and I like the way it was EQ'd. I like the way it's everything is it's really loud. It gives you that impression that it's really loud, but it's clear. surprises there's a reason why aux 88 why we're all meeting up together Um, from here on to 2015 it's going to be like that's all you're going to hear about is us you know um like for example the next release is um i have a new optic nerve 12 inches already done i have i'm going to be releasing a brand new techno black tony ep which is hot um another aux 88 presents black tokyo then i have another i have like two optic nerve eps uh done And um, the re-release of Alien FM. We have a a a new Alien FM release, you which is hot, really hot. It's called Large. It's called Large Mechanics. Right now, uh, the uh, AUX88 presents Samira is out right now. So, you know, everything is already wrapped up for the year of what's coming out. So, sixty lights
0: passing by so fast. I check my mirror, see your eyes in the glass. An apparition on this night. A traveler from another zone I sense you with me, but you're not there I feel the tension hanging in the air I turn to look, but you disappear Junkie, and you're listening to Pace Agenda. Drops of rain hit the stream, explode. We'll reflect the moon as we travel this road. Moving faster as the city will was... see.
1: last track for part one as I said it's the loud minority track called Drive coming up next part two of the show Keith Tucker continues to impress with a fantastic black Tokyo DJ mix if you haven't cleared the furniture away from your room already do it now because this one will get you up and dancing some great great techno coming up any second now
2: A.K.A. DJ K-1 of Aux 88. You're listening to BASE Agenda.
5: DJ, what the fuck do you got for me? me.